So every February in the middle, we honor Black history, excellence, resilience, and joy. Likewise, we honor God because we refuse to be complicit with a nation and its attempts to redact and erase the beauty and majesty that is Blackness and Black people. And we have refused to erase and redact this beauty from the stories we tell about our nation and the stories we tell about ourselves. This month, we have honored Black stories as we have told through the power and poise of the late Sidney Poitier, his success at work and life and in standing up for the rights of his people, all people, is good news for us, church, on this Sunday morning. And the gospel of Sir Sidney's life illustrates the importance of standing confidently in the knowledge of who we are and how not to compromise our values, ourselves, to not compromise in whatever it is that we do or seek to do in this life. Sir Sidney's gospel it illustrates for us how to live with dignity, even while living in an undignified world, to stand in the best of our humanity, even when those around us are inhumane and unjust. And mostly, the gospel of Sidney Poitier, the good news he leaves with us, is to honor the responsibility the responsibility we have to ourselves, the responsibility we have to the divine image that is not just in each and every one of us, but the divine image that is each and every one of us. This is the gospel according to Mr. Tibbs, Sir Sidney Poitier. Likewise, this is the gospel that Jesus gives his disciples and us for today. It is a gospel for those who will listen, instructing us to love our enemies and to do good to those who hate us. Why? Because God is loving toward us. Therefore, we should be merciful and loving in the world just as God is merciful to us. Should they strike us across the face, we should turn and offer the other cheek. Should they rob us of our clothes, we should give them our undergarments as well and be naked. Should we be conscripted to walk a mile, we should walk too. We should bless those who curse us and pray for those who abuse us. Why? Because God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Even to us, God is kind when we too curse and abuse one another. We must love those who are difficult to love. We must be kind to those who seem unworthy of kindness. We must give to those who don't seem worthy of our gifts. Why? Because we must love our enemies and ourselves fiercely enough not to lessen the God-likeness we are created in. We are to love ourselves fiercely enough not to mirror the actions of our adversaries or those who wish to do us harm. Church, we must love as the scripture says, because it was God who first loved us. However, church, if I can just take some of the pretense off of me this Sunday morning and just be honest with you and say, 
this is truly not the type of text that I am trying to hear nor trying to preach on this third Sunday of Black History Month. When I read news of another judge displaying more sympathy for a black man's killer than they do for the family of the deceased, when my AAPI siblings continue being attacked and murdered for no reason other than their race, when I watch a video circulating online of a teenage black boy getting arrested for standing up for himself against his white attacker, I, I just must admit, Trey, I got to just take the pretense off and just keep it a buck with you that, that when I see these things in the news, the idea of retaliation is tempting to my humanity. I, I got to just tell the truth, church, that, that I grow tired of, of, of hearing sermons preached that try to downplay and minimize justifiable Black anger. Do I got a witness in here this morning? I grow frustrated, church, of hearing scriptures weaponized to placate marginalized communities. Y'all, if I can just go Oklahoma on y'all real quick, I just got to say that there are times when I'm watching the news and there are, there are days when I am tempted to seriously just take my Bible, close it, put it off in a corner somewhere, loosen my tie, take off, unbutton the top button right here, take off my jacket, and y'all like Virgil Tibbs and in the heat of the night, I am just tempted to want to backhand slap somebody or something. Can I just tell y'all the truth on this Sunday morning, y'all? There are just times that if I hear one more lie about CRT, I just might have to just take off my jacket and what we say back home and just have to just slap the slap somebody to the white meat, y'all. That's what I'm struggling with on this Sunday morning. Now, in Sidney's autobiography, The Measure of a Man, he talks about how this scene as Virgil Tibbs it came about because the script originally called for his character to get slapped in the face, look his attacker with disdain, and walk away with his ego intact. But y'all, Sidney did something profound. He insisted, somebody right in the chat insisted, Sidney insisted that this scene play out differently. Because he said that as long as he, a black Bahamian-born immigrant who was harassed by police, made to walk 50 blocks at gunpoint, as long as he was playing the part of Virgil Tibbs, he could not shoot this scene without a nanosecond hesitation to whack his attacker back with a backhand slap. Now, that scene, when I watched it, felt good to my spirit. I got to tell the truth. It felt good to my spirit. But it also seems as if this scene contradicts the message of the text that we are reading this morning. Because when Mr. Tibbs gets slapped, he does not, as Jesus instructs, turn the other cheek. However, according to biblical scholar Walter Wink, even though Jesus is articulating a radical, uncompromising nonviolence, this text is not is not a call for us to be victims of abuse. And Wink's breakdown of this text, he argues that when we talk about a backhand slap 
and turning the other cheek, that a backhand slap was intended to humiliate a subordinate, to humiliate someone found loathsome to the attacker. Therefore, when we get slapped across the face with someone's backhand, we are instructed by Jesus to turn the other cheek, thus forcing them to use their forehand and thus see us as equals. What looks like submissiveness is in fact a claiming of power, thus stripping our adversaries of their power, particularly their power to humiliate. When a system of debt-based capitalism robs you of all you own, giving your undergarment and exposing your nakedness not only shames that oppressor, but also puts on blast the ridiculousness of a system that knows no bounds on this greed. When you are conscripted to go a mile, you go the second mile. Why? In order to assert your initiative, even in situations that cannot for the time being be changed. Y'all, this text, although difficult for me to read, this text at its core, in its essence, is Jesus not instructing his disciples to experience abuse, but instructing us on how it is to keep our dignity to keep our dignity when faced with injustice, how to not mirror the wickedness of our oppressors, but rather to mirror the fierce love of God who is always for us, even when others are against us. The church, we are not to act out in vengeance and return in kind the harm that was inflicted on us, but we are to mirror God's faithfulness and God's mercy as we stand in the fullness and the best of our humanity. We are to mirror God and bear witness to the truth of God's love, which flies in the face of a world that only knows domination and retribution. Church, this is the kind of love that Gandhi knew, the kind of love that Howard Thurman and Martin King knew, that, that Fannie Lou Hamer knew, and John Lewis knew, the love that would engage the powers and disrupt their power by using, as Walter Wink goes on to state, examples to spark an infinite variety of creative responses in new and changed circumstances. Creative responses that lead toward what he describes as a third way that breaks down the retributive cycle of hurt and humiliation that mars the humanity of us and our adversaries. Hear me, church, that God is not demanding we accept mistreatment and disrespect. God is not calling us to be like those who hurt us in our quest for liberation. But God is saying in the words of Audre Lorde, the master's tools can never dismantle the master's house. The tools of this world cannot be used to build up the kingdom of heaven. What God is saying for those who will listen is I am calling you to love yourself fierce enough. I want you to love my people deep enough. I want you to love me brave enough to not sully your own soul by losing sight of who you are and whose you are. And church, this is what we learn from the gospel of Mr. Tibbs, the gospel of Sir Sidney Portier. We learn that we must stand in confidence in who we are and the knowledge of where we come from. Church, 
Sydney never lost sight of being a black man raised on the shores of Cat Island. And in everything that he did and all the movies that he starred in, he always took the knowledge of who he was with him and did not allow the prospects of fame or fortune to compromise the knowledge he had of himself. Therefore, church, God is saying to us, we don't have to compromise the knowledge of ourselves. We have to know ourselves and we must not compromise and act in any way less than who we know ourselves to be. Instead, we are to stand confidently in who we are by decrying rather than mirroring evil and dehumanizing dispositions of our adversaries. Don't be like those who curse you because blessed people don't have to deal in curses. Don't be like those who hate you because people who are loved don't have to deal in hatred. Be who you are, not a lesser version of yourself by forgetting who you are and where you come from. Because worst case scenario, church, we always can remember where we come from and we come from God made in the image and likeness of God. And with standing in confidence, we must also stand with responsibility by knowing at the very least what we owe to ourselves and to those who are around us. A responsibility to be all that we are called to be in the world, to not sully our soul in order to get it. A responsibility to channel our anger into a positive force by participating in nonviolent movements of direct action shaped at moving and changing the world. And third, church, that we stand with dignity. Now, to be honest, and in, in the film, In the Heat of the Night, Mr. Tibbs' slap to Mr. Endicott does not pass the nonviolence test. It is included in the film to signal a transformation in a culture that at one time permitted a white man to slap a black man and kill him if he did anything about it. But this seems signaled to Black folks the world over that we could stand in our humanity and assert our dignity. And in asserting our dignity, we could love ourselves fiercely enough to affirm our best and most brilliant qualities. The gospel according to the Black man from Nazareth named Jesus demands the same dignity. But we are called to change the world, but not become like the world. As Jesus said, we are to be in the world, but not of the world, and to find another way while in the world, a way of radical revolutionary love that demands we be treated as fully human and we treat others the same as well. The God we serve, church, created us in their divine image. Therefore, we are worthy of dignity and respect. And Jesus teaches us to give each other love, dignity, and respect, and to, to, to denounce the worldly tools that would cause us to avoid a third way, which moves towards more violence and, 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 and power and domination. Therefore, church, as we move into the rest of Black History Month and into our year, let us not forget that we are called to be love for the world and for ourselves. Let us be the change that we seek. We are who we have been waiting for. All these things I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.